0: You're listening to the Weekly Sermon Podcast from Liberty Family Church. For more information about our church, head to the website, libertyfamilychurch.net.au. Love. Love is what we all, any Christian and any Christian church, should be known for, isn't it? If there's one thing, it should be love. Last week, we we started our Gospel Culture Series by looking at how followers of Jesus are called to not only believe the Gospel, but embody the Gospel. As we go about our own lives, as we participate in and invest in church community here, that we're all a part of. And we reflected on one key cultural marker. When I say that, I mean a thing that should be seen and experienced by people in a healthy gospel culture, and that was honour. And today, we're going to reflect on what is the central cultural marker of a healthy gospel church, love. So let's pray as we open God's word together today. Loving God, we thank you that you are love, that at the core of your being is love. We thank you, Jesus, that you show us the way of love, and Holy Spirit that you enable us to love like Jesus. So we pray now that as we open your word, as we humble ourselves to, to hear and understand, not just at a, at a head level, but at a heart level, God, we pray that we would be further transformed into your likeness, or if we're seeking spiritual truth, that today would be the day that we reach out and embrace love Embrace Jesus, trusting in Jesus as Lord and Savior for the very first time. We thank you, Jesus, that your word is true and we can base our very lives on it. So may you help us to do that today when in terms of love, loving one another. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, picture this. You ready? Picture this. You are in the upper room with Jesus and his disciples. You're meeting there just before the Feast of Passover and there is a tangible buzz in the room. Judas, one of the disciples, you you look him in the eye and he seems to be a bit distracted. But other than Judas, everyone else are just loving it. They are having the time of their lives. Your eyes move all of a sudden as someone gets up You realise it's Jesus and you fix your eyes on him as he leaves what he's doing in eating supper with the disciples, removes his outer garments, takes a towel, ties it around his waist and starts filling up an old bowl with water. As your eyes continue to watch him, you realise that you've let out an audible gasp and quickly hear others in the room doing the very same thing. Everyone's looking at Jesus, thinking the same thoughts. He's not going to do that, is he? He's not a servant. He's an esteemed rabbi. This is, this is madness. This is cray-cray. Jesus shouldn't be the one watching, washing people's feet. And Jesus, after he convinces his disciples to actually let him do what he wants to do and goes ahead and washes their feet, He explains exactly why he did what he did. John 13, 12 to 15, we read, When he had washed their feet and put on his outer garments and resumed his place, he said to them, Do you understand what I have done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you also should do just as I have done to you. People are amazed and then become quickly confused as Jesus looks troubled as he tells the packed upper room that soon one of his own is going to betray him, Judas. And then people are even more confused as Jesus has an interaction with Judas tells him to go and do what he needs to do quickly as he runs off with the money bag and thinking, does he need more food? We've got plenty of food here. What's going on? Maybe he's going to share some of the money that we've got with the poor or something like that. And confusion quickly gives way to wonder once again as Jesus continues to speak and shares a new commandment. Jesus in John 13, 34 to 35, he says, a new commandment I give to you. That you love one another, just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Who enjoys doing those picture yourself in scripture kind of exercises? Has anyone ever done that before? Maybe you haven't. Cool, there you go. Well, how did you like it? Was it was it different? Was it unusual? Was it noise? Nice. Yeah, good. Excellent. They can, those kind of exercises, personally, I, I love them because they really help Scripture to come alive. As you imagine you know, yourself, maybe you know, the story of, of the woman who touched Jesus' garment and was healed uh, at uni, they took us through a visualization where they said, where are you in that crowd and, and what are you seeing? What are you noticing? And yeah, super powerful, really brings Scripture alive. Well, here's here's the, the powerful thing with this passage from John 13. You know, Jesus calls his followers to love one another just like he'd loved them shortly after giving them a tangible example of what love actually looks like. Now, if you read John chapter 13, you'll see the foot washing, interactions around Judas, some other teaching of Jesus before we get this command, a new command, love one another as I have loved you. Sacrificial service and foot washing. Now, when it comes to to foot washing, some of you might be aware of this, others might not. Foot washing was not a task reserved for a rabbi or anyone of standing in society. Foot washing was a task reserved for the lowliest member of society, the lowliest servant possible. Think about this. In Jesus' day, roads weren't made like we enjoy semi-made roads today. (laughs) Shoes weren't closed. Sandals weren't the quality, comfy Birkenstocks that maybe some of us enjoy today in summer. Not only that, but drainage wasn't quite up to the building code either. Hygiene wasn't great. Let's just put it this way. Water wasn't the only form of liquid that was floating through streets, out on footpaths and things like that. Let's just say the mud that ended up on your feet back then probably wasn't just mud. Cars weren't invented. They didn't transport people. Horses and donkeys did. As my middle daughter would say, poo-wee. It's a good summary. Some delightful things found their way onto feet back then, that's for sure. And so as you're no doubt appreciating, if this is new to you, you know, feet washing was a really dirty business. A completely dirty business. Not a role for someone in standing, not a role for someone in a position of influence, but a role reserved for the lowliest. So what does Jesus do? What he often does, he flips the script, he, he inverts, he does the upside-down kingdom thing and, and blows people's minds. Jesus makes a powerful statement, and this was a statement, just one example of other times throughout his whole ministry where he did things that were unexpected, where he flipped the script and turned things upside down, such as when he called his disciples to become great by becoming what? Servants of all, explaining that even he, even he, God in the flesh, did not come to be served, but to serve. And you can read that in Mark chapter 10, 41 to 45. So what's Jesus getting at in, in all of this? He's saying, servant-heartedness, sacrificial service is to be practiced by all who follow me. That's what he's getting at. Jesus is saying, this is how you are all to love one another. Now, for many of us today, with the benefit of history... We understand that, that not only would Jesus demonstrate his love for his disciples by physically washing his, their stinky feet, but also he would go on to, as we just celebrated before, to give his life for our benefit, to deal once and for all with the utterly putrid sin. That's what it is, the utterly putrid sins that separate men and women from God. And that passage from Mark that I alluded to before, the I did not come to serve, but to be served, but to serve, it doesn't actually finish on serve. There's another ending. Jesus closes it with this. He says, For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. So when we today, when we read John 13, when we read 34, and read Jesus' words, just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. Our minds don't only go to feet. Our minds don't only go to to washing people's feet or other events and things that Jesus did in the lead up to this. We're also looking ahead to Jesus' sacrificial death on the cross for all mankind, an event that back then the disciples, no matter how many times Jesus pointed to, hey, I'm not going to be here forever, uh, you know, and other alluding to things they just didn't get. They weren't there until it happened. And um, you know, we give them a bad rap. We think they're silly or something, but let's be honest. If we were there, then we would have no idea as well. Let's just say that. They didn't understand that what was going to happen actually needed to happen. And further on in, in John 15, 12 to 13, Jesus looks forward to this when he reiterates his new commandment to love one another once again, reading from verse 12. He says, This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, than someone lay down his life for his friends. It's a pretty good rule. If Jesus says something once, we should drop everything and listen. If he says it twice, you really should consider the implications of that for your very life, the foundations of your life, shouldn't you? Back in John 13, um, Jesus referred to this all through it. he, He refers to this commandment as being new. Now, if you're familiar with God's story, if you're familiar with the whole Bible from the Old Testament through to the new, you'll know that this is not new in a sense. This has been said before. In Leviticus nineteen, eighteen, part of the Mosaic law given by God to Moses for the good of the nation of Israel, he says, You shall not take vengeance or bear a grudge against the sons of your own people, but you shall love your neighbour as yourself. I am the Lord. So what Jesus does here is he takes an old, but he does actually make it new because he he deepens it slightly. Jesus, by extension, he's he's inviting his followers then, he's inviting all of us as his followers today to love one another as he himself loved us, as he himself loved his disciples, to basically love with a Jesus-like love. There's a reference point for this one another love that Jesus gives in making it new. Naturally if you're familiar with the way that Jesus went about his ministry and you know if you're with us online or here today and and maybe you're only familiar with foot washing because we looked at it before you can see how grounding this command is when it's grounded in the the person and character and behavior of Jesus Christ it deepens and transforms these commands making them unique making them new can anyone remember last week what I gave as a reason why so often we don't honour other people? Can anyone remember? Bingo, gold star for Mary. Because we don't think people are worthy of being honoured, don't we? So often, you know, we, we're called to honour one another, and so often we kind of hold back because we're like, oh, you know... Ugh. They don't really deserve it they don't deserve to be honored whatever and i think the same comes the same goes rather comes and goes the same goes when it comes to loving others doesn't it we so often read these commands we we understand them we we might even at a heart level deeply appreciate what jesus is actually calling us to in loving others sacrificially when we look to his example and yet often we still, in and of ourselves, choose not to go ahead and love other people with his love. Is that true? It is true. We, we choose to not love the people, brothers and sisters in Christ, people in our church community like this, because we don't think that they're worthy of love. We might consider Jesus' teaching on loving our enemies, for example, or even a command like, bless those who persecute you. And then we think of people in our lives, maybe people in our church community who make our lives really difficult, and we think to ourselves, yeah, nah. Don't you love that quintessential Aussie expression? Yeah, nah. Yeah, nah. (laughs) Yeah, nah. I'm not going to lay down my life for someone like that. They don't deserve to be loved in that way. Or perhaps we we read Jesus' teaching where he calls us to turn the other cheek, to forgive, to overlook times of offence. And we think about interactions that we've had with sisters and brothers within our community and we think to ourselves, nah, I'm not going to make the move. I'm not going to be the person to, to start that. If they want to come and love me first, maybe then I'll respond in love. But I'm not going to go there. I'm not willing to let go of that fence. I'm not going to lay my life down and serve them. And we mightn't actually say this to ourselves. If we do, we've got some probably pretty big heart issues going on. But we, we, underneath, underlying, that is what we're actually saying at times. They're not worthy of being loved like that. Too often, we fail to extend love to one another in the same way that Jesus extended love to us. And because here's the thing, friends, if you were here last week, you can probably guess what I'm about to say. None of us are worthy of being loved by God. Just like none of us are worthy of being honoured by the King of kings and the Lord of lords who descended from throne into that humble stable in the dirty feeding trough, God incarnate, God in the flesh, who honoured us with his very presence to make the way to live and show us the ways of God, and then to die the perfect, blameless sacrifice, the Lamb of God for the forgiveness of all people's sins, none of us would were, were worthy of being honoured like that. Just like none of us were worthy of being loved like that either. Not one of us here or in the entire world who has existed or ever will exist will ever be worthy of God's love. Scripture in Romans 3.23 tells us that we've all sinned. And because of that, we all fall short of the glory of God. Because of our sin, we deserve, as Romans 6.23 says, as Paul puts it, we deserve death. That's what we deserve. Our actions, our rebellion, our hardness of heart toward God has earned us the death penalty. That's what we've earned. We don't deserve to be shown grace, mercy, or love by God. But that is is exactly what Jesus offers us all. That is exactly what Jesus offers each of us. And if we place our faith in Jesus, as many of us have here today, but if you're seeking spiritual truth, if you place your faith in Jesus today, you will be able to receive his love too. Paul goes on to write in Romans 6.23, he says, "'For the wages of sin is death,' that's what we deserve for sin, But the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. We don't deserve it, but God freely gifts it to us. He gives us eternal life. Life in relationship with Jesus now, in this life, and life forevermore, to the very end of the days until Jesus returns and God makes all things new again, restoring this beautiful creation and dwelling with us forever. That's good news, friends. What a gift. What a gift it is. If we, with open, humble hearts, allow Holy Spirit to bring the gospel, because that's what it is. If the gospel comes alive in our hearts, we can actually live out and embody the gospel call to love one another. We can. We can embody, we can live out this beautiful gospel of radical, self-sacrificial love for the good of others and for God's glory. We can, with Holy Spirit's help, love all people, including our sisters and our brothers, our church family here at Liberty. This will, no doubt, go well for us, won't it? It'll go well for us as we live authentically, as we play our part in fostering a healthy gospel culture here in Hillsville. But this will actually also result in the other outcome Jesus had in mind when he gave this new command for other people to look on and observe our lives and our interactions with one another and that they would come to know, to discern, to see that we are disciples of Jesus, that we are the real deal, so to speak. A new commandment I give to you, Jesus says, that you love one another just as I have loved you you also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. This, who loves history? Anyone love digging into the history books? Yeah, A few of us. I certainly do. If you look at some of the secular historians from back in early church days, you find some remarkable little pieces of that cause you to just go, wow, God, you are, you are incredible. Like, you know, we, we can read Acts and we can see what was going on in the early church. And at one level, we can go, wow, that's amazing. For me, that's only heightened when I look to secular historians who commentate directly to that very much being true and unusual. That's really powerful. There's a historian, um, well, this one in particular, he was actually a third-century Christian author called Tertullian. And he recorded these words that were the common refrain in those early days of the early church. Uh, And this was people looking on at Christian communities. Here's what they said. This was what they said. They said, see how they love one another. See how how they love one another jesus was very much seen in the early church the gospel itself was visible and attractive to people who were not yet christians because jesus love for because jesus followers love for one another was very much evident it was tangible it was seen didn't have to you know like maybe a criticism of some people toward churches today is like, well, no, you guys are all about love, but I don't see you loving each other. You're always complaining about that lady at your church or whatever, you know? Like, unlike that, the people looking on were were looking at the lives of these people, were looking at these early church communities, and they were blown away. They were like, wow, see how they love one another. This is real. This is amazing. They were embodying the gospel. Friends, let me ask you today, how is Jesus calling you to love your sister or brother in this community in the same way he's loved you? What do you think our experience of community would be here at Liberty if we all loved one another in the same way that Jesus has loved us? What would Liberty Family Church be like? What would it feel like What would the vibe of it be, Danny Denudo? What would the vibe be for those who are members and for those who are not yet members, those looking on from the outside, looking in, maybe those who attend from the community on a movie night? And what might their experience be if they looked to us and the way we interacted with one another and honoured one another and loved one another? What would that be like for them? What would, or maybe, I want to say it this way, what will will, in faith, believing that this is God's will for our church, for all churches, what will happen if we allow the gospel of Jesus Christ to be the very thing that fuels us on, that propels us forward and deeper in this joyous work of loving one another in the same way that we've been loved by Jesus Christ? What will happen, friends? I just want to encourage us today. Let's, let's commit ourselves to this glorious work. Let's commit ourselves to this work, to, to embodying the gospel as we walk, not in our own strength, not in our own might, not in our own power, but in the Holy Spirit's enabling power and love one another just as Jesus has loved us. You know, if you're, if you're seeking spiritual truth today and... This is all new to you, but you're kind of curious about this, this humble king who, who gave his life for people, or this humble, humble rabbi, a religious leader, someone of standing in society who flipped the script and actually humbled himself, taking off his outer garments, putting on a towel, and then kneeling before his disciples and humbly washing their stinky feet. If you're interested in knowing more about that kind of Of Jesus I'd love to chat with you and a member of our team would as well so if you're watching online please do fill in a connect card give us a contact and we'll organize a time to catch up and have a coffee with you how about we just pray and invite God to do that work in our hearts and to continue to foster a beautiful gospel culture here in our community as we join with him in this work sound good let's do that loving Jesus we thank you so much We thank you that in you, not only do we have a a saviour who has done the work to bring us back to God, has opened the way for us to be back in relationship with God, but we also have an example of what it is to to follow God, to honour God, to live a life that is gospel-shaped, a life of radical love, a life of radical obedience, a life of honour. For all. And we pray, God, today that you would continue to bring the gospel alive in our hearts, that it would be the very fuel, that it would be the very power that would spur us on to loving others in the same way you have, God. We thank you for those tangible examples all throughout the gospels of how you flipped the script, turned things upside down, and did things out of the ordinary to demonstrate. who you were, but also the, the things that your followers are to do and prioritise too. So, Holy Spirit, we invite you to powerfully outwork the gospel in our lives for the good of our own faith walk and journey with you, but not only that, God, for the good of our church community as we love in community and love in the ways of Jesus, and also, God, for those looking on from outside our four walls, God, that as they look in and see the way that we care for one another, see the way that we make meals for one another, see the way that we visit one another, see the ways, all the ways that we demonstrate love and that heart to serve and bless other people before ourselves. Lord, that they would have that same curiosity and wonder that other people back all the way in the early church days, as they looked on at the church and said, wow, see how they love one another. And God, may that then cause them to turn to the gospel of love, where they accept Jesus and his work on the cross, paying the price for their sins, setting them free and reuniting them in perfect loving relationship with God. We thank you for that, God, and we pray that you would get all the glory, Lord, as we commit to this glorious work of loving one another as you have loved us. And we pray this all in Jesus' mighty name. Amen.